Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, (laughs) Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you, Ryan Treasure. I never remember whether I go this way or that way for the future, so I'm just going to say the future of now. Bonnie D. in the house, happy to be here, and I'm going to ask all of our listeners and viewers around the world, where are you living right now? Are you living in a city? Is it smart? Is it intelligent? Well, that's going to be part of our topic today. I'm very excited to have a very, very esteemed panel with me, thanks to our many returning, time-returning guests. Don Deloach, who has assembled a panel of experts on the future of cities and technology. Get smart, question mark, or exclamation point. So let me do my opening, and then we'll have my guests introduce themselves. So I went to ChatGPT. Those of you who are regular listeners and viewers know I use that as a resource for my openings, for my monologues, and I always do the disclaimer. I wrote, I didn't write this, I queried this. So I said, tell me about smart cities. And here's what it told me. Smart cities are urban areas that leverage advanced technologies and data analytics, think about both of those, to enhance the quality of life for citizens, optimize resource usage and improve sustainability. But here's something I didn't know, and Brenna's probably, Brenna Berman is with us, she's probably surprised I didn't know this. The term SMART, S-M-A-R-T, all in cap, stands for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound, which represents the goals and objectives of smart city initiatives. Smart city might use sensors and analytics to optimize traffic flow. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Reduce congestion. Oh, please. I lived in New York for most of my life. (laughs) Talk about the Long Island Expressway as the world's biggest parking lot. I think some of our guests might know that. Implement a smart energy grid that monitors and manages every energy usage in real time. And Connected infrastructure, citizen engagement, get involved, participate, sustainability, hot topic, improve public services, if only, and economic growth. So after I researched this on ChatGPT, I went back into the internet, probably I used Google, and I said, send me some movie quotes about cities, specifically. And I found these four quotes I think you'll enjoy. Patrick Bateman, played by Christian Bale, the movie American Psycho, 2000 horror film. Here we go. I love the city, the city that never sleeps. Nine million people all exiled on the same island. Oh, my. Okay, here's another one. I think Iliad is smiling on that one. I have a quote from Peter Parker, you all know, played by Tom Holland, Spider-Man Holland. Homecoming 2017 superhero, superhero film. The city is a strange place. It's always changing, always exciting, always terrifying. Well, it was Spider-Man. What can I tell you? Buzz number three. The city's just a machine and machines can be broken. That was, of course, Batman, also played by Christian Bale. Batman Begins, 2005 superhero film. And one more. Claire Temple, played by Rosario Dawson, the Netflix TV series from 2015, Daredevil. In the city, we're all busy moving forward, chasing our dreams and desires, while the world around us changes in ways we can't always anticipate. I love those quotes. I think my guest did too. I I see some smiles there. So I'm going to introduce them just briefly with their names and I want you to just introduce yourselves when I finish. Don Deloche, wave hello, say hi. Here's Don. Professor Ibrahim Odeh. Ibrahim, wave hello. Brenna Berman, welcome back. Haven't seen you in a while. 
we have Iliad Terra, and we have, uh, who did I forget? Professor Ibrahim Odeh. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're my second speaker. Don Deloach, everybody's here. My goodness. My Word document is frozen, so I'm trying to catch up here. So welcome, everybody. The topic is the future of cities and technology get smart, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Bonnie D in the house. Let's get going. And it's March 15th. I think there's a green river behind Don in celebration of somebody's holiday that's happening on the 17th this week, this Friday. Don Deloche, welcome back. It's always a pleasure and a privilege to welcome you. So I tell you what, Don, I did the math. You know, I always do this for you. I did the math. And there are 14.72 people in the world who may not remember you. Shame <laughs> on them. So Don, I want you to refresh the memory of those 14 point whatever people. I don't know where the fraction came from. Tell them what you've been up to and what's your passion for smart cities. Don, welcome. Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. Uh, so I have been um, running small uh, or venture back companies for the last 20 years. Uh, about in 2010, I began to do work around the Internet of Things. Uh, that sort of became uh, also a passion of mine, which today I would characterize as cyber physical transformation. Uh, I've combined those two, you know, passions, entrepreneurism and, and the Internet of Things into an organization I, I formed called Rocket Wagon Venture Studios. It's designed to help startups get from the exit of an accelerator stage to scalable, repeatable commercialization. And the first one that we are beginning uh, should ramp up soon, and that is called Smart City Works Venture Studio. It's focused on urban innovation located in Arlington, Virginia. And uh, there's just so many exciting things around it. So I'm, I'm really uh, happy to be exploring this subject along with people I, I so respect that know way more than I do about the subject. So thanks. Thank you, Don. And thank you again for bringing such an esteemed panel. And my audience around the world are about to hear how esteemed they are. Let's go to our second guest, Professor Ibrahim Odeh. Welcome. Nice to have you here. I just uh, And I have to do a shout out. Ibrahim wore a white shirt with a tie. I cannot tell you the last time, no offense to anybody else, I can't remember the last time a guest wore a white shirt with a tie. I'm so excited. Abraham, please, aside from your impeccable taste in clothing, would you please honor me with your a little bit about your bio? What do you do and what's your passion for our topic? Welcome. Sure. Hi, hi Bonnie. Thank you for, thank you for the, the invite and thank you, Don, for the connection between me and Bonnie. Uh, uh, my name is again uh, uh, Ibrahim Ode uh, from Columbia University. I've been uh, with Columbia for the last uh, close to 13 years now. Uh, I uh, started and I'm leading a group uh, called GLCM, Global Leaders in Construction Markets. Sometimes we refer to it as construction management. And the focus of the group uh, is uh, to bridge between theory and the practice in our uh, studies that we are built. Uh, and in the last uh, more than eight or nine years, our main focus is uh, um, understanding the trends uh, uh, that reshaping the way we do business and building structures, delivering uh, infrastructure. Uh, and uh, in the last uh, uh, like one to two years before the pandemic until now, the area of uh, how to build more smart by uh, using uh, digital transformation, digital technologies, uh, uh, trends, uh, innovations uh, in our industry is catching up more and more. So it became uh, busier than ever before. Uh, and I can't wait uh, to uh, share uh, 
my, my humble opinion and, and experience in the last few years with uh, the audience. Thank you. Thank you very much and welcome again. And let's move on. Brenna Berman, it's been too long. I'm so happy when Don put you on the guest list because I always enjoy speaking with you and your smile is lighting up the city wherever you are. So Brenna, why do I, you know, probably the same 14.72 people who didn't remember Don don't remember you. So, but they might be a different 14.72. So talk to them. Let's get up to date with Brenna Berman. Welcome back. Good morning. Welcome back, Bonnie. It's great to be here. Um, so I'm Brenna Berman. I've been a technologist and an urbanist from my earliest days. Uh, my parents would tell you that the first time I went to Chicago, which was my first big city, I was about six and I did not want to come home. Um, I have brought that you know, passion and, and curiosity about cities to a number of different roles in my life from consulting. Um, I've worked with cities in more than 34 countries around the world. Um, I brought that leadership back home with me to be the CIO of the city of Chicago for a number of years and then founded my own company to really begin to drive solutions to the problems that cities are facing. Um, I think I love every city that I ever visit for different reasons, but Chicago will always be number one and home for me. Um, and so, so that's me. I've been a, a city lover since day one. I, I wish you would get out of your home and go travel a little bit, Brenna. It sounds like you've just been sitting there. I, your, your background is impressive, all of the countries, all of the cities. And it's interesting you said you've never met a city you didn't love. There's probably something in each city that's... Yep. Lovable? Can we use the word lovable? Uh, I, I don't have in my opening, and I'm Iliad, I will call on you in just a second, but I don't have any statistics on how many cities around the world are considered smart, S-M-A-R-T. So if somebody wants to think about that when we when we get to the the quote part or the predictions part, it would be interesting to have some statistics. I know there were certain cities that stand out as being beacons or icons of the smart movement, and we can talk about that. Okay, thank you, Brenna. Iliad Terra, I met you through Don on paper until now. I'm so, and by the way, I like your black shirt very much. Iliad, please introduce yourself to the audience. Welcome. Well, good morning, uh, Bonnie, and thank you, Don, for uh, setting up this conversation and, and bringing us all together. Um, my name is Ilya Terra. I'm an architect and urban planner here in Washington, D.C. I'm the CEO of Alpha 8 and also the CEO of uh, Council on Global Relations, uh, which is our nonprofit arm. Um, I've been working for the past 20 years on really cutting edge of what the cities of tomorrow looks like, integrating technology, uh, both here in, in the U.S., but also internationally in post-conflict nations. So the role and the stewardship of technology in the built environment is a core driver for me. But mm -hmm. uh, really the, the focus that we've been, uh, as of late, uh, concentrating on is uh, the human value. How do we use in the cities of today and tomorrow protect, especially as you touched on, ChatGPT and OpenAI and MidJourney and all of this that's emerging, you know, version 4.0 just released in two years. Imagine what this can be. So there's a lot of disruptions and how do we safeguard human element, human citizens and residents of cities? Uh, to me, this is a burning passion and, and I uh, am very focused and, and uh, thankful that we're in this conversation. 
Thank you very much. Don, you've outdone yourself this time. I'm, I'm very impressed. And just, just to be equal opportunity here, I am a New Yorker. So, Ibrahim, when I mentioned the Long Island Expressway, I know you're a Columbia. You, you might have known what I was talking about. But I moved to a, a little tiny place called Teleco Village in Loudoun, Tennessee. And I tell people that I wanted, Brenna, you'll appreciate this, I wanted to move to London. But I tilted my head when I looked at the map, and the first N in London turned into a U, and I ended up in Loudoun. You can all laugh now. Uh, it, it's interesting seeing a small city slash village fight itself actively on something called next door on how fast should the speed limit on the roads be and who should be picking up the trash in the uh, in in the woods surrounding we have beautiful beautiful land here it's just gorgeous we have dams and golf courses and lakes and boats and a yacht club and listening to people say what is our infrastructure doing how do we get enough reserve money to build? How many? How much building out are we going to do? How many home sites were bought as land where people want to build houses now? Do we have enough to go around? Are we smart enough? And it's interesting to me to see this microcosm that I'm living in now. I stay. I just watch. I observe. I read. I don't participate in that. <laughs> we, we don't have a comment about that. Anyway, thank you all. Very, very impressive. So. Let's go to the part of the show where I've asked each of my esteemed guests to please send me a fictional quote from a movie character or a TV character and explain in their own words what in the world it has to do with our topic. So Don Deloach has picked a quote from, and this is a real person, it was kind of a biopic. The movie was Moneyball. It's an American sports drama film. The character is a portrayal of a real person, Boston Red Sox owner John W. Henry, played by the actor Arliss Howard. Anybody hasn't seen Moneyball, go see it. But it's about the Oakland A's and Brad Pitt as GM Billy Bean, working with an assistant, uh, a, a brilliant guy, Peter Brand, played by the wonderful Jonah Hill, tried to build a team of undervalued talent with a very small budget using a special technology approach to scouting players. Very, very interesting movie. So here we go. Here's the quote Don picked. I mean, anybody who's not building a team right and rebuilding it using your model they're dinosaurs. Dinosaurs in cities scares me, Don. Talk to me. What's this quote got to do with our topic? Yeah, so it's it was when um, John Henry was trying to recruit Billy Bean to become the GM of the Red Sox. And what he was saying is you're breaking ground that it people who aren't paying attention are going to be left behind. And if you think about the state of our of our world and state of our cities, there's a combination of uh, an unbelievable set of needs that's matched by an emerging unbelievable set of capabilities using digital transformation. But the cities that recognize this and embrace it will thrive as a result. And the ones that want to say, oh, that's just a bunch of, you know, people talking or we don't really need that are going to wake up one day and realize that they've gotten left behind because the cities that people want to be in and live in and work in are the ones that embrace this and brought their their communities forward. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I still am scared by the idea of dinosaurs in cities. Thank you, Don. I appreciate that. Good, good quote and good remembering that movie. Very powerful. Let's move on. Professor Odeh has sent us a quote from, actually, this quote has the word city in it, which I don't usually accept for, this, for a show about cities, but the quote is so good, Abraham, that I, I accepted it because I thought it'd be really cool. The quote is from Bruce Wayne, aka Batman. He's a vigilante. He's a detective superhero played by Robert. 
Robert Pattinson. The movie is The the Batman, The Batman, 2022 American Superhero Film. And I have the whole quote. I have the whole scene. Can I read the scene, Abraham? Is that okay? Briefly? Yes, sure. Okay. Here's the scene. I, I can't do a, a Batman voice, but just bear with me here. Thursday, October 31st. The city streets are crowded for the holiday, even with the rain. Hidden in the chaos is the element waiting to strike like snakes. But I'm there too, watching. Two years of nights have turned me into a nocturnal animal. I must choose my targets carefully. Here's the quote. It's a big city. I can't be everywhere, but they don't know where I am. And he continues, we have a signal now for when I'm needed. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning to them. Fear is a tool. They think I'm hiding in the shadows, but I am the shadows. I love that scene. And here is the quote again that you picked. It's a big city. I can't be everywhere, but they don't know where I am. Abraham, I hope I did justice to that. Would you please rescue me and tell me what that has to do with smart cities? Let's go there. Go ahead. Good question. Good question. Uh, the, the, the idea, uh, when I read this quote in specific and when you asked me to share something with you, uh, it just reminded me right away with two things, like when we look at the any definition of a smart cities. It has uh, uh, the, the data in it, and it has how we operate cities of the future. Uh, and uh, the two uh, points here connected me to two other factors that I would like to share with the audience. One is the connectivity of smart cities in the future is gonna be way different than what we have right now. Uh, it will be heavily dependent on the foundation of the big data that comes from all the tons of sensors and these technological advancements that are happening uh, uh, all around us. Uh, that will also lead me to another point one connectivity, another one with the rise of data is security, uh, cybersecurity, uh, especially. Uh, we, uh, at the World Economic Forum, which I'm part of uh, their uh, expert network uh, member uh, there, uh, we always talk about global risks that happening every year and where the trajectory and the trends are going. And it's so interesting in the last decade that uh, the idea of uh, security and the technological risk, it's key pricing. It was more in the political, in the environmental, and now it's more and more coming the technological one. And this quote uh, uh, just like make me think, oh, the new way of how to uh, think about security, it will leverage a new definition of a trust uh, in the rise of smart cities uh, in, in, in the future and the near future. So that's why I shared that quote with you. Thank you. And trust is such an important topic, and it comes up on every show about technology because is, did the horse, is the horse out of the barn door? Is it too late to close that door? Do we have privacy? Do we have security? Can we, can we be who we are in a, in a vacuum by ourselves, or are we part of something bigger that's never going to change? Whole other topic. Thank you, Ibrahim. I really appreciated the quote and the chance to read a little scene from Batman. Thank you. Brenna Berman, you've picked a movie everybody loves. It is still being so widely quoted, I can't believe it. 1939 musical fantasy film produced by MGM in its glory days, The Wizard of Oz. We're talking about in this scene, Glinda, the Good Witch of the North, played by an actress named Billy Burke. And Dorothy Gale, played, of course, by Judy Garland. After the wizard takes off alone in his balloon, Glinda the Good Witch reappears and tells Dorothy she has always had the power to return to Kansas with the help of her ruby slippers. 
but had to find that out for herself. After a tearful farewell with her friends, Dorothy heeds the instructions, tapping her heels three times and repeating the words. And here's the quote, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. She is then transported back to her family in Kansas. There's no place like home. That's the quote you picked from this wonderful movie. So many quotes come from that movie. Brenna, talk to me. What does this have to do with our smart city topic? Go ahead. Well, I think what it has to do is it serves as a reminder that while cities play a number of roles in our lives, right? They are economic engines, innovation engines, they're you know, homes to major universities, educational centers, worship centers. At the end of the day, they are people's homes. And no matter what technology that we're looking to implement or what technology is coming to bear, perhaps without specific implementation plans, that, that cities are homes to people and you need to keep that forefront when you're defining what a smart city is and what it should do. So uh, no matter what your city is, I think most people would agree that their city is no place like home for them. Thank you very much. I like that. And those of us who've been part of so many cities as we journey around the country and the world, we have so many cities we call home, even if it's just very briefly. Right, Brenna? It's yes. like having little stamps on your passport or stickers <laughs> on your suitcase. Remember those? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, and snow globes. <gasps> do people still collect snow globes from all the cities they you do? I had, I didn't know that. Okay. We know more about Brenna Berman now. <laughs> Ilya Terra has selected a quote from Kevin Flynn by, by the wonderful actor Jeff Bridges. The movie is Tron, stylized as capital T, capital R, capital O, capital N, 1982 sci-fi adventure film. Before I read the quote, Iliad, I just want to give a little background. Um, Steven Lisberg was the director, Lisberger. And in 1976, this is going back way in time because the movie was 1982, so six years before, he was intrigued with video games. Does anybody remember a game called Pong, P-O-N-G? He saw Pong and he said, that's really cool. So he went with, with the producer, Donald Kushner, and they set up their own animation studio. Can you imagine how early that was? Well, it wasn't Disney, but this was their own. And they created a 30-second animation featuring the first appearance of the character Tron live action, backlit, and computer animation thinking it would turn into a film. Well, guess what? All of the major Hollywood studios said, uh-uh, we don't want it. We don't like it. We're not going to do it. And who came to their rescue? Walt Disney Studio. They agreed to finance and distribute it, and they put the backlit animation com combined with computer animation and live action. So here is the quote Iliad has selected. The Grid, a digital frontier. I tried to picture clusters of information as they move through the computer. What did they look like? Ships, motorcycles? Were the circuits like freeways? I kept dreaming of a world I thought I'd never see. And then one day I got in. Ooh, this sounds very interesting. Help me out. I didn't see the movie Tron, not my kind of thing, but Iliad, tell us a little more about what's happening here and what does this have to do with smart cities? Go ahead. Well, I highly recommend that if you haven't seen it, um, Bonnie, it's uh, this, uh, quote from Kevin Flynn and enacted by Jeff Bridges uh, still haunts me today. It's been one of those moments that has been transformative for me. But let me take a step back in the role of and just a nod towards using fiction and these uh, quotes as part of a gateway into this conversation. Uh, the role of fiction as a precursor to manifestation or what we imagine will become a reality. So, um, what Kevin Flynn um, said in that quote is that the breakthrough moment when the two worlds, the digital world and our organic reality, he was able to cross that. 
And I think that's so profound as we're moving in into open AI and, and the uh, organized intelligence now that's coming into, into play. Uh, and how does this impact our built environment, how we live, how we immerse, how we transact? Um, so it's, it's been profoundly impactful. And I want to add another, um, and I didn't include this in the quote, Philip K. Dick, uh, which, uh, you know, do androids dream of electric sheep? Uh, but one of them that, uh, to me, has been profoundly impactful, and again, it goes back to the same point, is Ubik. And Ubik being really that uh, conversation way back when, decades ago, into the edge of the rendered world. So you're, you're the consciousness, quantum consciousness, actually rendering the world as we go in. So now as we're coming in this blend, the blur of the, of the artificial and, and, and uh, analog intelligences, how do we navigate? So it's been profoundly, and it's something that still, uh, uh, Jeff Bridges' voice still resonates with me right now. So I thought that would be uh, impactful. I should have read it in Jeff Bridges' voice or gotten the clip and played it on the show. I hope I did justice to it. I want to thank the four of you. Thank you for doing the work to get very, very interesting quotes. This is one of the fun parts of the show, and I really enjoy doing my research, especially on movies that I haven't seen, I've never seen, or that I want to see, or that I've just heard about, or that I've seen and I forgot about. So thank you very much. Now we're moving to the predictions, which is the whole part of the show. Don DeLoach, um, I just surprised Don by putting in the chat that I want to cover two of his predictions together. He said, what? Two predictions? Yes, two predictions, because I think there's a linkage there. Let me read them both. Don, cover them. I'm still going to give you three and a half minutes. And if anybody wants to comment on what Don's saying, just raise one of your little fingers, your pinky or whatever, and wiggle at me and I will see you. So Don in prediction number three says, cities will compete for talent by building their digital and innovation brand, which is interesting. And then in prediction four, he says, the metaverse will become an increasingly important tool for the functioning of cities. So I'm thinking there's some relationship with the digital innovation brand and perhaps using the metaverse. Don, talk, it's up to you. Go ahead. Uh, sure, well, let, let's start with cities competing for talent by building their digital and innovation brand. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that cities that um, explore and implement um, technologies that help them be more effective with their transportation system, more forward-leaning in terms of their public safety systems, you know, where, where, where digital transformation begins to permeate all the various aspects of the city uh, has the net effect of making the city more livable, more workable, and, and those are going to be the places people are going to want to be. So companies will want to locate there. People, you know, the, the, the talent will go there. Um, and, and a precursor to this is probably to look at what universities are doing right now. So if you see universities, unless you're the University of Alabama and you're making $400 million on your football team, um, <laughs> with state funding going down and universities scraping for more and more uh, financial resources, uh, there's a massive recognition that they're leaning into innovation and building their innovation brand. And I think, again, that's a precursor to how cities are viewing themselves in terms of we have to raise our game in terms of digital transformation. And that becomes a part of the brand that then attracts talent and, and industry and, and the economy grows. 
an example of the of the type of technology I'm talking about would be technology that you would equate to the metaverse. And, and let me give you a very real example of this. Um, we have a company that um, is at Smart City Works that um, is called Acular, and they do AR, VR, and digital twins. And it, it's fascinating to actually put on an Oculus Rift and walk through a construction site where you can see all the, you know, everything that's going on, even though the construction site hasn't even broken ground yet. Um, these type of technologies can be used for increasing collaboration, finding issues before they become very, very costly, uh, increasing things like work, worker safety uh, 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 outcomes. The, 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 the possibilities of this highly data-driven but yet highly visual and collaborative type of capability solves all kinds of problems and enables all types of capabilities. And I think that that is a is just one of many, many, many examples of the type of technologies we're going to see more and more and cities will embrace for everything from vertical construction to transportation to mundane things like inspectors out looking for um, uh, rat infestation in their um, uh, in their businesses, you know, like uh, retail shops or whatever. I'm waiting for Brenda to smile because I got this from the Chicago Initiative. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you know, this is all, you know, holistic in nature in some ways. But I do think that we're going to see more and more of this and cities are going to figure out that it's a key part of what they need to be doing. Thank you. I got a note here from Abraham said he wanted to comment on Don's prediction. Did you wiggle a finger, Abraham? I got, yeah. there we go. Okay. The thing, I got, I, I got the finger. <laughs> go, go ahead. You talk. Brenda, you might want to say something too. Go ahead, Abraham. Excellent. Uh, no, thank you so much. Um, I, I totally agree with Don actually. And uh, I might connect uh, his, his prediction to my second prediction of the labor uh, market. So a few years ago uh, at the World Economic Forum, uh, we, we, we published uh, a report uh, focusing on the future of the jobs. And uh, some of uh, the analysis that uh, looked at uh, focused that 50% of all employees that around that need to be uh, rescaling by the 2025. And uh, uh, with more increasing in the adoption of technology, uh, there is uh, a new even roles and a new skills that will keep rising and needed uh, for the operation of the smart cities. Now, the, the, the key that a little bit uh, alarming for me is uh, I, I saw it from a book uh, uh, called Thanks for Being Late by Thomas Friedman. And uh, in, in the book, it highlighted that, that the curve of how the exponential uh, technological uh, changes keep going uh, in, in, in a fast way. Uh, and comparing that to the human adaptability curve that's not catching up with all these technological changes, it's kind of an alarming in, in a way that uh, made me pause a little bit from, as, as Don mentioned about the education and, and universities, how are we gonna uh, uh, learn like more like smarter and, hand, and how we want to learn even faster to catch up this curve or do we need to learn faster or not? So. Uh, that, that I, I would predict definitely a new shift, a new uh, 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 environment uh, would be in the labor market in smart cities, uh, not just like competing for talents, but there will be new skills needed to operate 
smart cities uh, moving forward. So that would be connecting uh, me to my position number two. <laughs> Which was not the one I had picked in the notes. We'll get to that in a minute. Brenna, anything you sure. want to say about talent and metaverse and Iliad, if you want to comment as well. Go ahead, yeah. Brenna. Yeah, no, I would, you know, picking up on both what Don and Ibrahim said, you know, Don's vision of the, the power that technology can bring to city development is absolutely right. Um, I think that the adoptability, right, and our ability as humans to get there is actually going to be the real challenge. The technology is never the problem. Um, and so I would point to to two things. One is that cities change, like city governments change when their constituents demand it, right? So that is actually where a lot of this change will come from is the expectation of employers and residents that, that they will have these sorts of resources um, and the efficiency of management available to them because they will be seeing that in other parts of their lives like banking and retail. They're going to want to see those same technologies in their day-to-day -day life. Um, the second thing that Don pointed out that I would want to highlight is, right, he was talking about the construction site. Well, you know, cities do some of the government, do, does some of the construction in cities, but for the most part, right, they're just permitting other people's construction. And I think the important message to take away from that is in any given Western city, only 20 to 25 percent of that, that physical footprint is actually owned by the government. Right. The, a full city innovation is actually going to be driven by a number of private sector partners, um, many of which I think a number of us have mentioned already this morning. Right. The develop the real estate developers, the construction companies, the universities that have a very big footprint in some of the cities where they are. Um, and so the ability to drive a modernization strategy that engages all of those partners is going to be critical to, to getting to that human adoption that is actually so very hard to achieve. Thank you, Brenna. Iliad, talk. Go ahead. Yeah, I uh, actually, uh, picking up on uh, what uh, everyone said, and especially what Don brought up, I have an anecdotal uh, experience. So we're here in Washington, D.C., and we were developing Amazon's HQ2 in National Landing and, and, and uh, Crystal City and Alexandria. And so one of the uh, uh, entities that came in there was Virginia Tech, coming from the south side of Virginia into so Timothy Sands, the president of, of VTech, was in the pre-proposal meeting and so to design the, the, the innovation hub uh, in National Landing. And the room was packed with about 400 A&E firms from all over the world, Black Cape architects, firms. And um, so eager to see what, what, the, what Tim um, uh, would say. And the, what he started his uh, description was that Get everything that you know about education, higher ed, and how it's done. Take that and throw it out because this is now completely a different world. And by the time we're done, it's going to be still another world. So I think that's a salient point. And when the flow and the dynamic field and how disruptive it is in, the, in, in creating talent, and it's, it's uh, you know conversations with George Mason University, uh, Virginia Tech, it's all about talent, how the cities attract talent, develop talent, and how universities compete with this. So I think this is really uh, very topical in what we need to address. Thank you very much. Uh, Don, I want to thank you for such a provocative first prediction. This is what we want is to start the conversation around the table, and you certainly generated that. So thank you all for your comments. Ibrahim. 
I'm going to give you another chance. I'm only joking. I had picked your prediction number one. Let's keep this brief, but I think we'll get some comments around the table as well. Brenna, I'll pick one for you in a couple minutes and put it in the chat. So Ibrahim says, this is a long one. It's a little novel, but I'm only going to read the first two sentences and then you can take it. He says, more innovation construction methodologies and techniques such as modularization and 3D printing. That's the prediction. I think more innovative construction techniques will keep growing to go through two phases, integrated with conventional purposes and processes, then move more to becoming a new normal in building smart cities nationally and internationally. Let's talk about 3D printing and modularization. I said it right. There you go. I get an award for that one. Give me tongue twisters anytime as a live show host. Ibrahim, you're up. Three minutes on this, and then we'll see if any comments, please. Thank you. Yeah. Basically, I think, I not I think, I believe this is also connected to what we were discussing in the first point. Um, in, in new technologies, in new digital solutions, and new innovations keep coming to our industry. The industry I'm referring to is the construction um, industry. The uh, few few years ago, uh, we 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 formed the team uh, to study the future of the construction industry. Uh, we presented our work at Davos uh, Summit in Switzerland for five years in a row. And part of the discussion was to come up with our own predictions of how the new construction sites in the smart city is going to be. We put them under three kinds of a categorization. One is more related, more green technology uh, and, and more sustainability uh, movement. Another one in more the virtual, uh, uh, which uh, what we touched base on in the metaverse and uh, the usability of AR, VR and so on. Uh, all the way to uh, building cities by, by by dominating the factories in these cities. Uh, and we, we keep seeing it from the modularization. Uh, it increased in, in a very interesting examples during the pandemic uh, that we want more controlled environment, uh, less waste, uh, more increasing the safety, uh, uh, having the quality more under our hands, our eyes. Uh, I highly believe this will keep going in this direction over and over and over. Uh, and uh, it will integrate with it more uh, sensors, more data analytics. So as we will be learning from other manufacturing industries, which is a study that I've done several years ago with my colleagues at, at Skanska on how we can learn from three other industries from the uh, shipbuilding, the aviation, the car manufacturing industry to bring it to our industry, which was fascinating. Moving back to moving to the 3D printing, mm -hmm. I myself like um, heavily involved with uh, a startup company called Black Buffalo. And uh, Black Buffalo, uh, just what we are focusing on is building and, and mastering the build of the printer itself, one mm -hmm. from one side, and mastering the, uh, uh, the creation of the, the new smart uh, uh, material sciences, if you can call it, of the ink that can be printed through these printers and, and what's, uh, what, what we can do with that. Um, having into consideration uh, the environment uh, and, and having consideration uh, the usability of the 3D, 3D printers to make it like more fast, less labors uh, uh, and, and more safe. Now, let me wrap up with one comment here. When we talk about 3D printing, 
I see a little bit phases going through that. I believe it's uh, past the infancy stage. Uh, we see more and more examples uh, of houses get printed in different parts of the world. I'm so excited about that. Uh, but I would say uh, it depends on the geographical location. Some locations that uh, labor is an issue uh, and uh, aging in the labor force, like in the US here, in Japan, and other parts of the world, we will see more excel in the usability of the technology. But other parts of the world, it's not an issue. It's not that much expensive. We see like a little bit lagging behind, but it will eventually catch up. So I'm a strong believer such two examples of many others of a new construction innovation and, and methodologies will keep coming in smart cities. Thank you very much. Any comments from anybody on modularization or 3D printing? No? I'm going to move on, but I what, will what? say. Yeah, go just ahead, one Don. thing. Yeah, please. Just because I just experienced this with Ibrahim for the first time a, a few weeks ago in his office, I just wanted everybody to let it sink in what he said in terms of 3D printing houses. When mm -hmm. you think about that, I mean, that's a, a far cry from a pin cap or, or, or something that we're, you know, sort of have in our mind. It's unbelievably cool. I'll, and, I'll be quiet now. Don, no, no, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say to Ibrahim, think about the, the need for specifications for safety issues, for the material and the depth and the, the tens tensibility, whatever you call it, of what is this material that the printer's putting out and how do you get those together and are there normal traditional building materials combined with these and where do they meet together and what kinds of joints to it's it's a whole probably an art and a science i'm guessing i think we could do a show on the future of 3d printing in multiple industries later this year anybody interested of course you all are okay good uh, i just want to mention if you're looking for an interesting tv show there's something called east new york which has Jimmy Smits as a, a police chief and Amanda Warren. He, she's the chief who works for him. He's the something commissioner. I don't know. And uh, Richard Kind. And it's interesting because a builder played by Scott Cohen wants to come in and take over parts of the city. Mm. Now, this is New York, East New York. Get that. And they, he wants to buy up a church where... Jimmy Smith's character's brother, who is an Asian man, which is an interesting, I don't know who adopted whom, but the, the, the mix of ethnicities in the show is very interesting. But the brother is the priest in the church. And he goes to this builder and says, don't you dare buy the land under my brother's church because that church is important to the community. And he says, okay, I'll pass on this one, but only for now. He's building high rise housing, but he has a door for people who can't afford it to go into a separate section of the building to their apartments, aren't they lucky? They get to live in this brand new, beautiful building, but they have their own entrance. All you can think about is the implications of that. Very interesting show, bringing up a lot of themes. Brenna, I am going to your prediction number one. I like this one. I thought it was really cool. Can't wait for you to explain it. You say over the next 30 to 50 years. Brenna, the last time I had a guest go 50 years out, this is going to be a little gross. It was on one of my very first shows for SAP back in 2012, I think. And I said, why are you predicting out so far? And he said, because nobody on the panel will be alive to tell me if I was right <laughs> or wrong. And I don't think Brenna's doing that. But here is, this is wishful hoping. She says over the next 30 to 50 years, we will see the increased adoption of the 15-minute city where people can access services, employment, education within a 15-minute walk or drive from their home. While virtually people will be connected globally, in reality, they'll be living at a micro-local micro, micro local level. Brenna, this sounds 
Uh, I don't know, norm shattering. Talk to me. How did you, can, can we do it sooner than 50 years, please? I want well, to see already, it. It's already happening, right? There are, there are there are some communities like this in places like Barcelona and Stockholm. And and I love this, this idea of the 15 minute city, which is really wherever you live, right? You can access your work, your resources like grocery stores and medical care, your education and your you know, extracurricular activities all within a 15 minute walk or bike, et cetera. So it's, it's a hyper localization in a way. And, and what I love about this idea is, is two things. One is, is the first one you brought up, right? Technology, like if we were making a technology prediction, you probably wouldn't hear us, any of us go out more than three or five years, maybe 10 if we were really talking about something a little bit crazy. Um, but cities don't actually grow and change that quickly, right? Cities are this very odd um, sort of contradiction in that they are impacted by very fast moving um, trends and technology developments, et cetera. But at the same time, the building and transition of a city is, is long and slow. Um, so you have this opportunity to sort of understand and look at things. Um, so while we're seeing 15-minute cities now, I think you will see them more widely spread in that you know 30-year time horizon. But what I love about this is the the balance between globalization, which we're all seeing, right? The economy is global. Our coworkers are global. The sharing of of cultural aspects, good and bad, is global. Um, but we want to live actually more locally for a number of reasons, right? There's the environmental impact of too much travel. There's the the real human impact of not having live close relationships that we now know is a huge factor mm -hmm. in children's development and in in you know the stability of people who are aging. So these 15 minute, you know, these 15 minute communities or the 15 minute city as they're called is really an answer to how technology can help us adopt the global trends and make sure those are driving value in our cities, but that the hyper local sort of value of being, being tied into your community can be achieved at the same time. Very, very interesting. Any quick comments from anybody? Are we going to move on? I will tell you that here in where I'm living, Brenna, it's, I guess it's an island. We have a bridge that connects us to Lenore, which is Lenoir City, which is a suburb of Knoxville, Farragut, Knoxville, etc. And what's interesting is they managed to put, if you leave my part of the community and you turn left, within 2.3 miles, you hit a Food Lion grocery store. With uh, There's a pharmacy there and a chiropractor and a hair salon. If you go across the street, there's a family-owned hardware store that has four locations and a Dollar General and another hair salon and so and a couple of restaurants. That's interesting. If you take a right when you leave my area, you go to, um, who do you go to? You go to uh, a gas station, which is the only one, and you go to three churches and you go to a couple of lawyers' offices and you go to the Welcome Center and you go to the business offices of the Property Owners Association. So you have a choice. Do you go right or left and what services do you want? But everything as here is contained yeah. within about a three and a half minute drive from where I live, which mm -hmm. is very, very nice. And I wondered yeah. when I moved here, where in the heck I was going to go because there were no lights at night. You don't drive at night around here. So let's move on. <laughs> Thank you very much, Brent. I appreciate that. Iliad, I have picked your prediction number one. I like this one a lot. Artificial intelligence will fundamentally disrupt the design industry for cities in ways we have not imagined. The role of the designer will be redefined. I can't wait to hear this one. Iliad, you're up. Go ahead. So as a practitioner, uh, being in the trenches of the design industry, 
I already leverage, I use uh, ChatGPT, MidJourney, OpenAI, uh, but uh, I use BIM models. I use Revit, I use um, Trimble, SketchUp, and each ecosystem has its own um, uh, collision detection. And, and you know, I've grown with these uh, platforms. The industry have monitored how this has evolved. Uh, so we're in a highly disruptive phase right now. And the, the, the AI is nascent in the industry. As it goes in, it is disrupting the graphic design industry, the A&E design. Uh, and it, it, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of... Um, uh, apprehension. There's a lot of uh, concern in the in the profession as to will this replace us? Will this displace us? But so from our perspective, uh, leveraging AI as an assist and leveraging data, uh, it's it's fundamentally and phenomenally profound in the way that the the industry will move. Uh, and I don't think it's five years. I think I think it's one year, two years. This is moving very rapidly. We're in the in the midst of that. Just to give you an example, traditionally. An architect, a developer would come and develop three schemes, conceptual schemes, and present it to the financial stakeholders and say A, B, C, and you would move down this, you know, schematic design phase and DD phase with that. But we've got, for example, uh, Open, uh, I mean, uh, Sidewalk Labs has developed this this platform called Delve, which you can actually use and and cascade using. Uh, uh, Python-based languages, uh, Ruby-based languages, and and create uh, um, solutions uh, real time to to the uh, decision makers, empowering them at the inception and the very beginning to plan ahead. So, so I think this is very profound, and as we see leaps and frogs in the bounds and in in terms of the capability. Uh, we're going to be uh, in, a, in a different place. And so the question for the design professional is to make that decision. This will be disruptive, no doubt about it. And so how do we move? And I think the market will demand this. The market will require this transformation uh, sooner than later. I think it's exciting. Uh, and I think it's, it's an opportunity for new potentials of creative outputs that can happen. Um, and I'll close with this. Uh, I feel very uh, bullish on the capability of AI capturing those opportunities that we traditionally leave on the table or not even explore. Uh, so I think this is uh, this this is an exciting time for the design profession. Thank you. I can't wait to see what buildings of the future look like, Iliad. It would be interesting. Do you go up? Do you go out? Do you go on an angle? What is the 3D printing going to contribute to the opportunities for a new design and for the AI designers? Don, you wanted to make a comment. I'll give you one minute. Go ahead. Uh, sure. Well, I, I'll just sort of play off what Iliad just said. If you think about the role of AI in the context of all the data that's required in this ecosystem. You've got designers, you've got engineers, you've got contractors, you've got subcontractors. You also have the, the financiers, the, the regulators. There are all these constituencies, but, but fundamentally the elements that they're using to design, to plan, to coordinate, all have common sets of data that have to flow between these. And to the extent that you can not only harness that data, but A, make it easier for the various constituencies to, to see a real-time accurate picture of the data that's necessary, and B, to then 
apply AI to it so that you can increasingly adapt and learn and get better, that, that is a, has a profound effect. And I think Iliad you know, is spot on in terms of, in, in my view, in terms of how he sees this going forward. And I think it's exciting. It is exciting indeed. And Brenna, go ahead. Yeah, if I can be really quick, I, I think that the, the trend that Iliad is talking about, and he is spot on, is going to have a massive impact on the regulatory roles in cities as well, and allow them to become more forward looking in terms of, you know, the, the permits and the standards that they apply to construction. Um, so, for example, right, all of those regulations now are backwards looking. They're a response to something that happened. They're an analysis of past data. So when you build a building today and you have to define your parking ratio, right, based on the number of people utilizing the building, most of those ratios are based on data from 50 years ago. And we all know how very different our relationship with cars is today than it was 50 years ago. Um, so the ability to drive those sorts of regulatory parameters with forward-looking analysis so that that building serves a purpose like in two years when it's done being built, but also mm -hmm. in 20 years when it is still there is a huge change in the design of cities. Thank you very much, Brenna. I'm going to go around the table. I've got a minute and a half left and I have a quick closing, but I want to ask each of you, what's the one thing you're most excited about for the future of smart cities and tech? One thing, not a sentence, just one thing. Don, quick, what are you most excited about? One thing. Uh, collaboration. Good. Brenna, what are you excited about? The ability for tech to support equity. Oh, Ibrahim, what are you most excited about? Uh, I believe connectivity. Iliad? Technology supporting human beings. Oh, I like that. Very, very good. Don, again, thank you for such a stellar panel, all brilliant and all wonderfully articulate. And thank you all for sharing your insights. I appreciate it. I want to thank Andrew, my engineer at Voice America Radio. And I want to say, don't go away. We're going to take pictures. But I have a little assignment for all of you before we close. But wave goodbye in, in advance to LinkedIn and to Facebook and to Voice America. They can't hear They can't see us. They can hear us. So I have a little assignment. I want you all to raise your finger like you're wagging your finger at somebody. Iliad, Ibrahim, put your finger up. Come on. There you go. Brenna, that's it. And I'm going to say, people say the future is already here. And on the count of three, you're going to join me with no, no, no. People say the future is already here. And we say no, one, two, three, no, no, no. Why? Because that was yesterday's future or the future from five minutes ago or 30 seconds ago. We're all working together, collaborating, using technology and our minds and our brains and our hearts to make it a better future. Bonnie D signing off. Everybody wave goodbye for real now. Andrew, we are. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh